0: i yeah. nice. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh, right. this, this is, is
1: that's who that's killed that's that's Teresa. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Big fan of like uh, those one-off update episodes. In fact, I don't even like um, making the podcasts any more time-specific, date and time-specific. I like increasingly. I like them to kind of stand on their own, so that if you ever went back to them, you wouldn't. It would be nothing to really indicate to you when it was made. Nevertheless, um, sometimes that's a necessary evil, and uh, as uh, this is uh, the long weekend of Hurricane Florence here in uh, North Carolina, and I'm getting uh, cabin fever, I thought it might be good to uh, lay some things down and uh, give you some updates, so that's what we're going to do. I guess I'll start with, uh, uh, I've been thinking a little bit about um, the American author, uh, Tim O'Brien, who wrote, um, his earliest novels are going after Cacciato and, uh, and um, uh, the things they carried. And um, one of my favorite, he's got many great quotes, but one of my favorite things is, um, uh, a thing may happen and be a total lie. Uh Another thing may not happen and be truer than the truth. Something like that. And I really like that. And I think um, uh, that's... uh, Those words are important and I've been kind of confronting the reality, the unreality of of those things. Um, And let me start like this. Some of you know, if you, if you follow me on Twitter, um, this summer, uh, I, I work in Durham, North Carolina and, uh, we, we got a grant from Bloomberg philanthropies, uh, called the mayor's challenge grant. We got like $60,000 and, the the, the aim of the project, the program was to reduce single occupancy vehicles, um, commuting into the city and in, encourage people to walk, to take the bus, um, to ride a bike. And I thought this is a fairly good idea. And I am, I, um, for reasons that are fairly obvious, I, I really like riding a bike. And I'm I'm one of the worst offenders. I have about a 30-minute commute from where I live into Durham, and I do it on my own. Um, but you know, also selfishly, uh, as the city grows, there's getting increasingly, uh, fewer and fewer places to park and the writings on the wall pretty much. Uh, I've had free parking for decades now in Durham, but I think pretty soon, uh, real estate's becoming a premium and we're going to have to start paying for it. And I'm a well-known miser. And if I can Save a few bucks, I will so i i um just to, to support the program, but also I was curious to see if it would change my behavior. I began riding my bike uh kind of a combination, riding into downtown Chapel Hill in the morning, about a twenty twenty five minute ride um and then you know placing the bike at the front in the front of the bus and taking the bus into town doing the same thing on the reverse end and I wanted to see how long I could keep this up um and I I did it pretty much all through the summer uh late late June um all all of July pretty much all of August as, as well um and it did it has changed my uh behavior uh so much so that um in the fall my uh my eldest daughter was uh, going back. She lives in the lives, uh, western part of the United States. And she was headed back, and she needed a car. Um, so one option was for her to fly out there, and when she got out there, she could buy a car. But uh, I thought, since in July I made my last payment on my car, and I wasn't using my car, I thought, well, why don't you just take my car? So then the question began, you know, so how do you get it out there? Do you ship it? Does she drive alone? It's not a not a great prospect. And then I had an idea, and I said, why don't you and your two sisters take a road trip? Drive cross-country. The other two can fly back. And almost... Immediately in expressing that, I tried to, (laughs) horrified at this notion, I tried to dial it back. I gave options that were increasingly not as attractive, such as, well, I could come with you. The four of us could go, and the three of us fly back. This, obviously, once you open the box couldn't put the genie back in the, in the bottle, I I had already, um, pitched the extremely uh, attractive prospect to three young ladies of going on a road trip across America. Um, so then of course the thinking was, well, you know what, their mother will kill this. Uh, they'll She'll kill this idea, so I won't have to be the bad guy. She can, you know, this will die on the vine. Um, but she didn't. She liked the idea. Um, she thought it would be a good end of summer thing for them to do. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I'm familiar with that trip. Uh, my mother and I had done it when we originally moved out to California, um, it's uh, I've done it. I've done it a couple of times, and it's a it's a rather initially east to west. It's a rather boring trip. Um, getting over the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains that that's pretty, but we've all seen that several times. <clears throat> and then it's kind of a you know through Knoxville to make your first stop is um your first stop is uh, Nashville. And then the next logical, you go through Tennessee is endless. You dip into Arkansas. I think the second stop is uh, Oklahoma City. Uh, Followed you. You briefly touch the northern, I guess it's Panhandle, portion of Texas. And then then things really started to get uh, interesting as you cross into New Mexico. That's when the landscape changes and the the fun begins so you know mapping out the first part of the journey for them um was uh fairly um you know they couldn't get into too much trouble it wasn't them i was worried about it was everything else of course and you could imagine well imagine given my pedigree given my um experience that um psychologically um this <laughs> uh this set my uh imagination into overdrive you know so i'm i'm thinking uh, you know that scene in zodiac where the mother is driving with the baby and the the guy points at the wheels you know like your wheels are coming i'm thinking all of that crap of course that's where my mind's going and and i'm you know, there were, there was a countless amount of lectures and pre-staging before they actually hit the road of, um, you know, does everybody have a weapon? Does everybody have their mace? Does everybody have their rape whistle? Oh, by the way, this baseball bat I um, I put in the trunk. It's not there for recreation. You may need it. Dad, is that why you carry a baseball bat in the trunk all these years? Yes, that's why. That's why it's there. And Now, <laughs> I bequeath this to you. You are now keeper of the baseball bat in times of trouble. Uh, uh, you know, the, the idea that no one is your friend. I don't care who. Don't just be looking out for creepy-looking men. Uh, don't trust women either, or girls who look like you, or or children, or anyone who says, you know, at a gas station they need help, or they just need a ride 10 miles, or none of that, none of that, okay? You say, I wish I could help you, and you move on. Always take your keys with you. Don't leave the keys in the car because somebody might steal your, you know, all of this shit. We went on forever. Um, and uh, so they did it. God damn it! They, they, they did it, and it went off quite frankly without a hitch. Now in this modern day, when you can text all away, and uh, you can even have an app, I, I, I thought this was too much. My, my, their mother um, had an app that you could actually track them where they were going. That was just too much for me because I, you know, I was like, if if at any point in the journey I saw. You know, on the tracking software, the app, the car veering south, you know, towards Brownsville or Tijuana or something. I was going to lose it. So, uh, there, I that was too much for me. But you know, we're the ones making their their hotel reservations and that. They, I mean, they're of that generation, of course, where they wanted to stay, you know, in Airbnbs. We were like, absolutely not, not, not this time you're staying in the Marriott or the Hampton Inn or, you know, and you're going to have your waffle for breakfast, which is included, price of the hotel, and then you're going to be on your way, you know, your hard-boiled egg, whatever, and then you're going to be on your way, toast, cereal. Um, comes with the price of admission. So as I say, this this went off practically without a, without a hitch. Um, they did veer... Uh, away from the plan when they got to New Mexico. The next thing we know, they're they're in Roswell, New Mexico. You know, <laughs> just like their parents, because I remember we went to Roswell. Of course we went to Roswell. We went to Area 51 and all that. In, in, in fact, you, <laughs> you know, you think you're kind of a freak, and then you realize everyone does the same thing. Listen, man, when when we did it, UFOs were... We're not as cool as they are today. We did it uh, just after The X Files came out. All right. So, <laughs> but yeah, sure enough, they did that. Um, you know, earlier in their summer, Stefan Luce, who you know, he's been on this show. He's the one whose mother was murdered in 1981. He, um, on his way to Florida, he stopped in. He and his girlfriend and and uh and uh we had coffee together for a couple of hours and uh he showed up and he had um this you know this cap on his head from Roswell, New Mexico. I was like, holy shit, you too? He's like, Oh well of course, you know. <laughs> Have you been to Area fifty one? Oh yeah, many times. <laughs> I was like, come on, come on, this is uh this is ridiculous. Um anyway. They hit the Grand Canyon, um, and were uh, suitably stupefied. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't want to uh, preload the experience of uh, the Grand Canyon with too much information. Kind of want them to just have that experience um, and let it uh, astound them, which it, uh, which it did. Made it out west. Uh, Two younger ones. Got on a plane. Flew back to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. 48 hours of their return, I was on a plane to Montreal. And and back up a a minute. Um, Some people have warned me to to be cautious about the information I disclose about my family. Um, And that's fair enough if you're under the assumption that I'm telling you the whole truth to begin with. Um, of course I'm not. Uh, when it comes to my family, no, I have, um, I I often um, tell untruths. Um, I, when it comes to my family, I have holdbacks. Uh, I only tell some of the information. And sometimes some of the information I tell is Deliberately misleading. Um uh, it's the truth. It's just it's uh it's a version of the truth, of course. Um let it be so. Some updates uh that should I guess we should say a few things so two episodes ago uh was the Geefield episode and the the cliffhanger of course, was Geefield still alive Geefield is not alive. Geefield died about ten to fifteen years ago uh in a corrections facility in Quebec, so I think he would have been seventies eighties at that time. I'm not sure if he was uh in at at that the time of his death in a prison facility, or whether he was in um, a mental illness facility like the Pennell Institute. I uh, uh, didn't get any clarification on that, but Geefield is dead. And then um, uh, uh, the last episode was the Guilain Potvin uh, episode. Uh, the, the two murders, one in uh, saguenay jean uh, the other in Saint-Foy, uh, uh, Quebec City. Um, just to say that uh, I don't think that's the last we're going to hear about those cases. Uh, since doing uh, that broadcast, some information has come to light to make them uh, appear more and more compelling and interesting. So I, I think we'll We'll probably revisit those cases uh, sometime in the future. Of course, if you live in Quebec, uh, it's not um, it's not news to talk about some events that happened in the past weeks regarding uh, my friends, uh, Stefan Loose. Uh, but uh, if you're if you're in Scandinavia or Australia or New Zealand, England you probably don't know this at all. So, um, some background, as many of you know, uh, uh, a lot of the sources of my information come from the, uh, the Quebec National Library, Bibliothèque Nationale Archives du Quebec, also known as, uh, uh Banque q um, and, uh, as we've discussed many times on this podcast, uh, uh, request information, particularly, specifically medical legal information. And often um, when it's returned and you pay for it, you have Easter eggs in there, and additional information. Uh, it's most compelling and useful when accidentally it's police information. In the case of uh, Stefan Luce, uh, he made a request and... Um, got more than he bargained for uh, on his mother. And um, I never asked for the file on Roxanne Luce, um, actually, because I, I didn't feel it was my business. Steph is is more than um, capable of handing his mother's investigation. I didn't think he needed my assistance, although I have um, provided him with some information that I had that I know he didn't have... Um, Particularly, some crime scene photos uh, from Roxanne Luce that I've never, I've only ever shared with him. No one else, obviously. Anyway, he made a a request, a public information request for uh, his mom's file at Banque. He got a file box of stuff. my My understanding is uh, there were more than I've ever received. I think there were. There were fingerprints in there of suspects. There was were, there were some highly sensitive information in there, which on the one hand, you think this is a very, very good thing. On the other hand, um, this was all in the newspapers. Uh, Steph's point was, well, wait a minute. If, if I can see this information, who else can see this information? Um, how the hell did, um, did it get there? On, on the one hand, uh, the police are saying they're actively pursuing a cold case investigation. And on the other hand, the, the very keys to solving their case are right here in this file, which, you know, you can you can make that point of many of the cases I've discussed, the uh, Diane Thibault, the Carol Dubon case. Um, I mean, reams of information there that really, when you consider it, shouldn't be there. Uh, my argument would be, um, it's a 25-year-old case. I might, I might be in that camp. That it's a 45-year-old case. I um, I have a slightly different opinion on it. I don't have a whole lot of faith, as we've said, that the police are, in fact, actively solving these cases. Nor do I feel uh, they have the means to solve these cases. Uh, exhibit A. They toss the DNA, as we've discussed, and then Exhibit B. I mean, if they're just, you know, unmindfully giving this stuff to the library without without cleansing it beforehand, how serious are they about a, a criminal investigation? So in the wake of that, actually, I'm, depending on what side of the fence you sit on, fortunately or, or unfortunately, uh Ban Q has become more restrictive. They said they would be doing a full review of uh their information requests and and what they released and to test it I um most of most of what I need I've already got anyway for the cases I'm particularly interested in for now. But I did uh, make public information requests for a couple of cases um just to go fishing and see what the response would be like. Um, one for case, um, the murder of Suzanne yell and the, uh, Laurentians in the seventies, uh, Andre, who uh, was murdered, I think around Cowansville in the seventies and Michelin Lefebvre, um, in the Richelieu area. Um, and interestingly enough, I did not get any Easter eggs, uh, no surprises. I, I just got the coroner's medical legal documents. Uh, nothing more, nothing less, which tells me they have they have locked down certain files.
0: On, girl,
1: so to continue. Uh like, like I said, um within forty eight hours of my two daughters coming back, I was back on a I was on a I was on a plane to Montreal. <clears throat> into d'orval uh rented a car picked up my writing partner at the d'orval train station spent um the evening at my brother's uh and then um the following morning friday morning we we went on a 1970s road trip and just to say that um you you know that it's been it's been a month since i was there and uh I'm still kind of processing it. Uh, it really freaked me out. Uh, you, you know i've um you know, I'm going to tell you where I went, and then if you've been paying attention, you'll know why I went, where I went. so we we started in uh, Point St. Charles on the island of Montreal. And then we drove east to Chambly, um, and then we drove further east to Sherbrooke, and I'll discuss Sherbrooke more specifically. On the way back oh, to Montreal, we stopped at uh, Saint-Jean-sur-Richelieu. Uh, so that's that's where we went, and, uh, and then specifically in Sherbrooke, uh, we stopped at the Louise Cameron- The dump site, Uh, we went into Sherbrooke and stopped at the site where Louise Cameron was last seen, veered up um, to where the apartment where she lived, uh, up to the hospital where she worked, over to the armory where she uh, participated part-time, up the hill uh, to where Manon Dubé was last seen. Over to the school where she disappeared from, uh, past the house where she lived, down the hill uh, where my sister disappeared, and so on and so on. Uh, I've I've done all of that in pieces. I've never done it all so concentrated and focused in one trip. it was it was frankly over. Welming, uh time traveling like that and uh uniquely i mean i think with some crimes you you, you wouldn't be afforded that opportunity uh over time things and places change they're they're gone i mean I, I think of uh you know if you if you if you want to see where the black dahlia was found it doesn't exist anymore it's not a it's not an abandoned field it's it's you know it's suburban homes that kind of thing um quebec uh doesn't change uh it just it just doesn't change and so it's a it's a time trip uh you know it you you look at louis camaras apartment complex. It's, you know, it's a little apartment building from the 50s and 60s. I think the call box at the front door is the same one. It's the same high school or elementary school where Dubé disappeared from. Magog, the town of Magog, has not changed that much it's the same tourist town that it was in the in the 70s uh and then of course to go uh to go out to Compton where the King's Hall residence was i think that's where i got freaked out the most you think my brother had been there i think the year before for like a 40th anniversary like high school reunion or Sejep reunion or something. And he had actually gotten access to the building. He warned me, he said, don't go in there without a a face mask. Um uh, the, the the place is riddled with mold. I said, oh, I won't I won't be going in this time. I got no interest in that. And and sure enough you drive up and it's it's the same building. I mean there's still a custodian living there. I think it's still on the market. They're trying to sell I don't I don't know who or why anyone would buy it. But like you walk up the stairs to the main entrance and you you look through the the front doorway and there's that staircase where Teresa reputedly was last seen by Sharon Buzzy and it has the same carpet. Um it 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 has in the hallway there um like the same side table um with there's like a, a bust on the table like a roman bust or greco-roman bust or something that fucking thing has been there for 40 years it's uh it's bizarre uh it's it's sad it's it's deeply uh haunting, uh, and of course down to the dump site, uh, um, it, um, you know, it was an overcast day, rainy, kind of overcast, really shitty day, kind of, it suited, uh, my mood, quite frankly, um, but it's, it's strange how memory worked, I, I was not, I was going on memory, um, I um I really I didn't have maps or anything this time and uh I I almost didn't find the Manon to Bay dump site. Uh but sure enough, you know, across this little river the little brook where she was found in. I didn't recognize it because now on that property where where there once was just a little cabin, somebody has built a home. And that's why I didn't at first I didn't recognize it. So uh but um you know, they, they were out that afternoon, whoever lived there. So, of course, we, we went and looked at where Dubay was found. Um, I hadn't considered Dubay in a long time, Manon Dubay, 10 10-year-old kid. Uh, the 10-year-old kid who the, uh, you know, it's, the, on the one hand, the police, on the one hand, if you talk to some police, they say, well, it was a hit and run. And then if you talk to others, they say a relative did it, did, did it, we know that. And yet she's on the cold case website. Well, if you already know who did it, then why are you reputedly investigating it? I mean, the whole thing doesn't make any common sense. Um, so from memory, I mean, some things I got right, some things I, I got really wrong. Uh, where Dubay lived. Uh, God, from from where she lived with her parents to where she was last seen with her sister is—it's so close. I mean, somebody had to be like just following those two young girls in a car, and just got lucky with the opportunity. I mean, I mean, split second—the the elder sister decides to run home, and on lags behind, and then she's gone. Right, and it's so close, and. My memory told me she lived, um, to the, uh, to the north, to the left from the school. I was wrong. It's to the right, up, up a hill, uh, parked outside the home, sat there for a bit. Uh, family looked out at us through the curtains, must have thought we were creeps just hanging out there, (laughs) uh, quickly drove off, um. The whole thing, you know, the whole thing is quite bizarre and and disturbing. I find, uh, you know, twenty five years ago, or like on the twenty fifth anniversary, sorry, that's like fifteen years ago. It was it was not as difficult doing this. Forty years later, I find it increasingly increasingly hard work mentally. Uh, the the uh, the weight of memory and the thickness of those those thoughts. Uh, and the fact that for the most part, things haven't changed really uh, works at me and uh, gets under my skin. The other Tim O'Brien quote I really like from uh, The Things They Carried is this one, I want you to feel what I felt. I want you to know why story truth is truer sometimes than happening truth. It has not been an easy month. Uh, I said my eldest daughter is uh, uh, out west. Uh, My middle daughter um, left for college uh, this fall, a couple of weeks ago um graduated from high school in the, in the spring and is, is, is out the door now and then there were one uh, transitioning uh from from one to two was hard but manageable uh two out the door down to one uh is is a little ominous uh frankly um it has echoes of, uh, quite frankly, of, of, of my own, uh, self at that age, 14, 15, when my brother and sister had both left the house, uh, so I was, you know, I was living alone. We'd only see them, uh, at holidays and things like that, um, which, um, was freaky enough before she died, you know, uh. After Teresa died, of course, it became uh, something entirely different. Uh, Not only isolated, um, physically isolated, and well, in the sense that we had moved and no longer, I didn't even have uh, sort of like the a friend base in Saint John, New Brunswick. I was no longer with uh, my friends in Montreal, which was freaky. Anyway, this um, it is reminiscent of that now just with my youngest one uh, and the the house is uh, you know it's very quiet it's very still um, as we transition into fall here in the, in the United States um, and into quite frankly the 40th anniversary of uh, Teresa's murder uh, it's um, it's uh, it's not a it's not a great time for me right now. Uh, I'll just throw that on the table. There's no use um, denying it or ignoring it. Uh, it's not a bad time, but it is uh, <clears throat> it is unsettling to to say the to say the least. I'm gonna leave it with that. Uh, uh, I understand Hong Kong and the Philippines got hit by a typhoon. That it, it, it appears to be much much worse than what, uh, what what we got here in North Carolina is not, and South Carolina is not good either. Uh, the, the the lowlands to the east and on the coast, there's going to be intense flooding, not only from the initial wallop, but as the, that storm move, moves moves east of course it fills up all the, the rivers the noose the tar um, and then those rivers flow downstream right to the ocean so they they get the people on the coast will get hit twice uh, uh, with flooding later in the week for m- myself it's, it's really not it's been a non event where I live uh, there's some high winds um, but just basically sustained rain for about four days is really all of it there, there was, as that thing just churns in a counterclockwise circle, and has uh, essentially stalled out over the Carolinas and is not really moving. Uh, but coming to you soon, uh, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, yes, Canada, the up the eastern uh, seaboard. Uh, I'm going to leave it there for today. That's that's. All I'm going to say, just just kind of an update, sharing some thoughts, kind of episode. Uh, if you like us, uh, please give us a five-star review wherever you listen to Who Killed Teresa, be it iTunes or Stitcher or SoundHound. Um, we're on uh, uh, social media. You can follow me on Twitter at JusticeGuy. That's at J-U-S-T-U-S-G-U-Y. Or specifically you can follow the podcast at Teresa Lore at T H E R E S A A L L O R E. There's also a Facebook page. You can just look search on Teresa Lore the podcast. There's a website, uh TeresaLore.com, where uh um, a lot of visual information. There won't be much I don't think there'll be anything for this episode. Certainly there's a whole uh whole mass of stuff for the uh, Guylain Potvin case. I hope you took advantage, took the opportunity to uh, check that out and certainly information on the Guy Field uh, case as well. Um, There's film footage, archived footage on YouTube. If you just search on Teresa Lore, you can find that. Uh, And I think that covers all our bases. Um... I'll let you go for this, uh, for this week. I really appreciate everyone who, who, who listens. Uh, uh, trending in New York City this week, which is interesting. Uh, and welcome. Toronto is, is listening. Uh, New Zealand, the UK, they're always big, uh, big listeners, and we appreciate it. Thanks so much. This has been Who Killed Teresa? And have yourselves a great, great day.